Jeremiah chapter 18. I don't know if that thing still works or not, but uh, <clears throat> if I do mess up, I say, well, I had a stroke. So it, it works uh, for a while. Okay, Jeremiah chapter 18, verses 7 through 10, as I speak uh, on a call of duty, the call of duty. In Jeremiah chapter 18, beginning with verse 7, at what instant I shall speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to pluck up and to pull down and to destroy it? If, oh, I'm glad that word if is there because that always spells hope. When things are going the wrong direction, there's still hope. But it's got to be God's way. If that nation against whom I have pronounced turn from their evil, I will repent of the evil that I thought to do unto them. And at what instant I shall speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to build and to plant it. If, again, he's letting us know that God's blessing is not a license to sin. If it do evil in my sight, that it obey not my voice, then I will repent of the good wherewith I said I would benefit them. Now shall we pray. Father, I pray that as we delve into the message this morning, thy spirit would speak in it and through it. Touch hearts today in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. We see in Bible history that God did not kill nations because uh, no one was saved in that nation. As Christians... We seek to witness the saving gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. We do not kill those who do not respect our Christ. Rather, they reject him. We don't kill them. We don't rape their daughters, nor do we uh, blow up their monuments or their houses of worship. Only those who have a God and religion that is weak does that, for they have not a strong enough God to stand without the approval of society. It is not a religion strong enough and wise enough to stand on its faith in their God, but that's understandable because their God is not omnipotent nor omnipresent. Only Jesus Christ is the way and the truth and the life. And no man can come into the Father, no man can have eternal life, but through Jesus Christ our Lord. As Christians, we understand our God is not education. Our God is not humanism. Our God is not socialism. Our God is not the ideology of psychology, and that's more idiot than ideology. But our God is not the ideology of psychology, philosophy, with doctrines that destroy the family and destroy the morality, that deny what is real science with a total lack of understanding, showing their science is not real of what a male and a female is. And they're promoting the thing that was prophesied by the Word of God in the last days before the Lord raptures us. When the Lord takes us to be with Him. But then when He begins to pour out His divine wrath, 
one of the things of the last days is lawlessness. There's a hate of holy truth and righteousness, of basic morals, of law, of a work ethic. It are those things that have destroyed nations, not because one of them or most of them were not saved. It was the sin of the nation. Understand that Jesus, in his first coming, he dealt with sin. But in his second coming, he will be dealing with sinners. It's important that people hear the way of salvation today. And so with that understanding, we look to our text. Again, listen closely as I read verses 7 through 10. At what instant I shall speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to pluck up, to pull down, and to destroy it. Israel had prophets telling them and warning them of what God was going to do because of their sin. We have this completed, precious, preserved word of God that tells us of what God will do if our actions turn the way as they did in the days of Israel. So if that nation against whom I have pronounced turn from their evil, I will repent of the evil that I thought to do unto them. God doesn't want to judge America, but he will. If we don't repent. He says, and at what instant? I shall speak concerning a nation, concerning a kingdom to build and to plant it. If it do evil in my sight that it obey not my voice, then will I repent of the good wherewith I said I would benefit them. When a nation is righteous, it is exalted in God's sight. But sin is a reproach to any people, and it brings on the judgment of God. Understand, God's blessings on America it's not a license to say, now we can live in any way that we wish. We can validate homosexual marriage. We can validate the murder, the cold-blooded murder of babies. That we can validate lawlessness. We cannot do that and be right in God's sight and not have his judgment. Understand that many of the things you see going on today were bred and well-nourished in many of the philosophies of your universities across this land. Courts, Supreme Courts, making decisions, kicking God out of the school, seeking to make your children the wards of the state, and to redefine a male and a female and what a marriage is. That's what we have seen going on in our day. And so when that begins to happen, then we must look for the return of Jesus Christ. Now I want you to see some examples of what we've read just in our text today. I want to take Nineveh. Back in Jonah's day, Nineveh, God was going to destroy it. But remember the word if it turned? 
Jonah went there preaching, although he didn't want to go there and preach. He went there and preached, preached what God told him to preach. Nineveh repented. God saved that country. But then as you see 150 years later in the book of Nahum, it's to the same things in Nineveh again, but they do not repent. God destroys Nineveh so much that even to this day, archaeologists in all of their diggings cannot find the whole of Nineveh. They've found a thing here and a thing there. But nothing of great consequence because God said he would destroy it. And he did. And the repentance of Nineveh 150 years earlier did not save the nation. What our good men and women of this country did in our founding does not save our country if we go the wrong direction. We've got to be careful. I think of the words of Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter 23, verse 37. He's getting ready to soon go to the cross. In just a few days, he'll be on that cross. It's the last week. And he looks over Jerusalem, and he says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which were sent unto thee. How often I would have gathered your children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings. And you would not. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. And that house is still desolate, for there's still no temple 2,000 years later. All there's plans. And one will be built, obviously, in the tribulation hour. But it's not there now. I think of the days of Esther. Queen Esther. This lady is a Jewish lady. They are under the realm now of the Medio Persian Empire. Queen Vashti, the king's wife, refuses to do something that he has requested her to do. And so she is put out of being queen. And a, another lady is looked to uh, be found who could be the queen. And, of course, they go throughout, and the, their idea is beauty, and, and it happens to be Esther's the most beautiful girl, and the king takes her for his wife. But she's a Jew, but he doesn't know it. There is a man by the name of Haman who expects everybody to bow to him because of his position in the government. And when Mordecai, the Jew, will not bow to him, he is so angry that they don't bow and worship him that he goes to the king and says, I'll take it out of my own treasuries, and, and we need a law for these people that don't back up the king. Well, of course, he was lying. And he wanted to 
write a law that would set a day in which they'd kill all the Jews. The king gave him his ring to put the seal on, and they would do that. The law was made. And so let's listen as I read from Esther chapter 4, verses 7 through 16. And Mordecai told him of all that had happened to him. And of the sum of money that Haman had promised to pay the king's treasures for the Jews, to destroy them, and he gave him a copy of the writing, of the decree that was given at Shushan to destroy them, to show it unto Esther, and to declare it unto her, and to charge her that she should go in unto uh, the king to make supplication unto him, and to make request before him for her people. And Hatak came and told Esther the words of Mordecai. You see, Mordecai was Esther's uncle, but that was unknown. And again, Esther spake unto Hatak and gave him commandment unto Mordecai, all the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces do know that whosoever, whether man or woman, shall come into the king, into the inner court, who is not called, there is, there is one law of his to put him to death, except such to whom the king shall hold out the golden scepter, that he may live. But I have not been called to come into the king these 30 days. And they told to Mordecai Esther's word. Then Mordecai commanded to answer Esther, Think not with thyself that thou shalt escape the king's house more than all the Jews. For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall there be enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? Then Esther bade them return, Mordecai, this answer. Go gather the together all the Jews that are present in Shushan, and fast ye for me, and neither eat nor drink three days, day, night, or day. Also, I and my maidens will fast likewise. And so will I go in unto the king, which is not according to the law. And if I perish, I perish. Those are strong words. The call of God it's worth putting your life on the line. Queen Esther recognized that, not knowing if she'd be put to death when she went into the king. As queen, she could have missed it all, it seemed, but God can deal with her as Mordecai told her, and I believe that she is there for such a time as this. You see, duty demanded it. 
duty demanded it. If you are saved, you also have a demand of duty, especially as you see a country as ours going into every bit of perversity, lawlessness, rebellion, hate, murder. There's a call of duty upon us. I think Fanny Crosby, the old hymn writer, blind lady, physically, but with great sight spiritually. She wrote the words that really demands our duty in line with the word of God. Rescue the perishing. Duty demands it. Duty demands it. That's the call for every person who names the name of Christ. That's the call for every saved person under the sound of my voice today. Our country's getting ready for an election. You know how I vote each time? I don't vote for party, I vote for principles. I believe the Bible when it says righteousness exalteth the nation. If I've got leaders that want to open up the door for pornography, for homosexual marriage, for abortion, they don't have my vote. I don't care how much they could increase my income. They don't have my vote. That's why it's so important that you know for whom you're voting. Look, seven million Jews were put to death in the late 1930s and early 40s, roasted in ovens. Seven million in a short period of time. But we can look back over history. For example, in World War II, there were many of the Japanese people that were put in camps here in America. In many ways, that may have saved their lives, but sure did ruin their livelihood in many ways. There have been Asians, there have been black, there have been white that have been discriminated against, and that is always wrong. There are those that have been persecuted for their race, whether they're black, white, Asian, what have you, that is wrong just for being a part of a race. It's evil. But in mentioning those things, a far greater evil to me that involves black, whites, Asians, and on down the line is the cold-blooded murder of human babies by abortion. And even to a point now where you've got a governor in one of our states that says that the baby's born and they don't want him, go ahead and kill it. I'm not attacking a political party. I'm attacking sin. 
And what I want you to know is, is that America is going to feel the judgment. The churches will come under persecution. And it's under persecution in which your own faith will be tried that if the church is persecuted and the church comes under those kind of things, will you be faithful or will you out of fear of man not fear God to do the right thing? It's a question we each must answer. Christians have a call of duty. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 6, I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior. If something is good and acceptable in the sight of God and our Savior, we ought to do it. It's our duty. Who will have all men to be saved? There are those even in some Baptist schools anymore that say, well, some are predestined to go to hell. This is calling God a liar then to say that he would have all men to be saved if what they're saying is true. What they're saying is a big lie. Satan has loved the lie of Calvinism as much as he has loved any lie. And to come into the knowledge of the truth. He wants that for all men, he said. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. I can't pray any of you out of hell. I can't pray any of you out of uh, going to hell. Only Jesus Christ can save your soul. Any man that goes to hell without Christ is there forever. And so I'm not your mediator. Your mediator is the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Oh, see your call as a Christian. It doesn't matter who it is, even if your parents, your friends, your family reject you. Have the character of an Esther and trust God so much that you can say, if I perish, I perish. But we know beyond any shadow of the doubt to be with Christ is far better. I feel sorry for Brother Tony's family today. They grieve. But I don't feel sorry for Brother Tony today. <laughs> Bible's clear. It's far better where he is. And so I rejoice that he knew his Lord and Savior. My friend, we've got to start actually in the house of God. We need to learn once again to come to the altar. We, too many of us, have, have fooled ourselves to say, I can do this at home. I can do this in my private time. And that's all right. We have learned to do that. And the results of that is that we're seeing what's going on in the country. We're seeing what's going on in the homes being broken up. 
come to the altar. Pray for this country to have a revival in its local churches, that they turn back to the way of righteousness and holiness. Pray for a revival like the great awakening of years ago, that great revival among God's people, that they'll witness the saving gospel of Jesus Christ to those who will repent and believe the gospel that they'll do that to their own surrounding society. Pray for individual family members at this altar that are not right with God. Well, I do that at home. What's wrong with the altar? Goodness gracious, Hannah prayed for a baby for a long time. It wasn't until she went to the altar and prayed that God gave her Samuel. You got family not right with God? Ask yourself. Is it worth it? Is that one I love so much worth it to come to the altar to pray for them? Pray for your personal life. Will it glorify God? Will I stand, having done all the stand? Yes, we've looked at these examples, Bible examples, to see our duty. The duties for anyone who names the Christ, name of Christ. But you know what? God has a call for men without, without Christ. In Acts chapter 17, verse 30 and 31, we read of that call. In the times of this ignorance, God winked at. But now commandeth. Who commandeth? God. Who does he command? Now commandeth all men. All men. God commandeth all men. You know what all men means? All men. Okay, means that. All right. Everywhere, not just in Jerusalem, not just in America. That's why we support missions. He commands all men everywhere to repent. Why? Because he hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, in that he hath raised him from the dead. How do I have assurance that calling on Christ to be my Savior and turning from my sin and giving him my heart and life to live for him, how can I be so sure that he has raised from the dead? About 500 witnesses saw him at one time. We call it a little children's song. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Oh, that's not a children's song. That's the song God wants us to have in our heart for all people. Every soul obviously matters to Christ. It should be us as Christians. You say, you know, if you... You offend some people about Black Lives Matter if you say all lives matter. And perhaps I would if I mean it in the same way they do. I don't know. But that's not my concern. As a Christian, I don't want to offend my Lord and God. He's concerned for all souls. I want all souls to be saved. But my friend, I don't believe that and I don't live that if I'm not willing to pray for them. I'm not willing to witness to them. I'm not real willing to call them to come to Christ then that means nothing to say, I believe that. That's just a statement. It's not until it's an action that it is faith. And that's what we have to have. 
if you're saved. Turn from your worldliness. Turn from your lack of faithfulness. A lack of a holy and righteous life. And get right with God. And people may not like this, even among God's people. But don't exalt above our God your children or wanting to be liked by the world or your children wanting to be liked by the world and look that way and therefore you compromise the things of God. If we don't, it may be our children and our grandchildren that suffer the inexcusable, unrighteous, deplorable lack of concern to walk rightly, to walk holily, and to pray for our children, our country, our local churches to have revival. My friend, if you're not sure, if you died today, make sure. Yes, Christ could come at any moment. I don't know if what's going on in our country today, if it continues, that our country will not be judged. Our country will be judged if it continues. Because we were founded on a biblical ethic. It will be judged if we don't have revival. But on the other hand, we could be raptured out before that happens. But as I have read through this Bible many times, there is no place in this precious word of God that tells us that we will be raptured out before those things happen. Oh, we'll be raptured out before the, the tribulation. But remember, judgment begins at the house of God. Sometimes that's to try us, to see, for us to see. God already knows our heart, but helps us to see the reality of our faith. Where do I stand? It's the question I have to ask myself. And it's a question each of us, if we name the name of Christ, need to ask ourselves. It's your duty. It's the call of duty. So, what do I ask myself? Am I fulfilling my God-called duty? Ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord.